Welcome to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. I'm Richard Bliss, the host. You're listening to episode 180. Last episode, or a previous episode, I think it was last episode, we ran out of time with a great guest. And so I, I've asked him to come back and talk uh, in detail about some of the things that he's done. My guest is Uva Eichert, who is the um, founder of Academy Games. He's got some great material. He tracks his stats. He does a lot of uh, pre preparation for his projects and his company's been around for quite a few years but recently started doing kickstarter campaigns to a lot of success he currently has a project out there called fief that is uh, generating tens of thousands of dollars in support and it's only been up for a few days and so we want to appreciate having uva back uva thanks for joining me well thank you very much richard for having me back well, last time that you were on the show, we talked about, well, we talked about a lot of things, but we kind of left off with some high points. We're going to jump right into that. Some things that you have learned and done and focused on around your Kickstarter campaigns for success. You've had three. Your first one was 1775? Yes, yeah, 1775 Rebellion. And then the second was Freedom, the Abolition, uh, the, uh, the Freedom, the uh, Freedom, the Underground Railroad, about the abolitionist movement. And now we have Fief. France, 1429. And you, but your company, uh, as we talked about last time, your company is an established game company focused on traditionally the strategic war game crowd. But one of the things that we left off with uh, in our last episode when we were talking was is that you track your fa fans, uh, customers. I don't know how to describe. What, what, what do you call them? Our customer base, yes. Okay, your customer base. And you shared a stat with me right at the end of our episode last time where you said that you track that 42% of your customers are women, which I Not know, yes. which is a shocking statistic for most people who are familiar with the war game or strategy game market, because they're going to assume that it's dominated by men. And yet you're approaching nearly half of your uh, user base, you're saying, are women. Almost half, yeah. And, and that's been a, a very strategic move on our part, Richard, because – and something we didn't discuss the last time – uh, we're constantly seeing where's the blue ocean, where's the blue water type of market where the games and the this Euro gaming uh, craze that's happening in America hasn't really taken deep roots in. And we've been concentrating now for the last two years going after the homeschool market, after school market, um, markets outside of our standard professional engineering, technical type of people and also military, of course, which which was our biggest segment. And we're trying to get more into the family and school setting type of markets with some of our games, because one of the things I think are very is very important, which which people should really consider is that you should never put all of your marbles in one cup. You want to, as your business grows, you want to kind of diversify your business and try to diversify it into different markets as you grow so that if you have only three-legged stool and one leg breaks, well, then you fall over. But if you have a four-legged stool and one leg breaks, you can still sit there and continue doing what you're doing. So we are now going heavy after the homeschool and the so, high school and junior high markets. So let's yes. let's talk about that because there, there's a there's a that's a very valid uh, premise. Um, when I talk to people and I ask them who their target audience is, and they say everybody, that's the key. That's key for disaster. We we both you and I both know that that that's, that narrower and deeper is always 
almost always better than broader and shallow. I think that's what made us successful. When I first started the company five years ago, um, I didn't go after the general market. I said I, I looked at the market critically, and we had games that were had nothing to do with the games we finally came out with. And we came out with a Conflict of Heroes series of games mainly because I said the wargaming market right now is more fragmented. It's not as refined as the Eurogame market. I went to Essen. Over 600 new games were opened or were – And how many of them were war games? And there were only – there were under 10 of them were war games. So the war game market was for me was a good way to to establish our name, Academy Games, and, and, get footing and get the money going. You know. So let me share with uh, – there's a book out there called Crossing the Chasm by Jeffrey Moore. Uh, for those of my audience who are listening that I highly recommend that you read because it talks about there and the concept is, is that when you're going to penetrate into a market – you have your early adopters and your innovators. Those are the people who are going to be drawn. Those are your friends oftentimes when you have your game out there that you're showing it off to them or your project, and they're all excited, but they don't represent the broader market. And so what you have to do is this book is titled Crossing the Chasm because you have to, you have to cross this gulf between your friends and, and the fans, this small group of fans, and the general uh, majority of people, and you do it by establishing what he refers to as a beachhead, which you did with military games. Um, you establish that beachhead, and then after you've got that solid and defendable, you now start to, it's called a bowling alley, knock down pins related to that. And that's what you've done now. Your games are starting to broaden out. Uh, you're starting to target women, Euro games. The question I have for you, Uva, is people are like, oh, that sounds like a great theory. How the devil's in the details. How are you executing on that? When you say that you're going after more drawing women in, how? What steps or actions are you taking that actually causes women to come into contact with your games? And then the other question that people are wondering right now is how do you track that? How do you know that 42% of your customers are women? Yeah, we're, we're very and, – and, and this is one of the things that we talked about and we didn't get to on the last program – when we do like a Kickstarter, and we went after Kickstarter very specifically, for example, our next game we're working on, now it's almost done, is Conflict of Heroes Guadalcanal. And Guadalcanal is our diehard war gamers who um, are war gamers. Our average age there is 45 to 55 years of age. It's an older crowd, male professional. But when we take them to conventions and all, young kids love playing it. Because it's fast, there's no downtime, etc. So we have already hundreds. I mean, literally, I think we have a little over 500 pre-orders at full price at $80, where any other company is going, well, I'm happy with that. We're going to be posting that on Kickstarter and putting a lot of money into the Kickstarter videos and the presentation in order to broaden our market to pull in other people who've never tried this type of game before. And if we can hit market with different marketing um, ideas and, and techniques, that's the key, one of the keys to expanding the market. So one of them is how do we market the games? And that's why I'm so convinced with Kickstart and why it's been, I feel, very successful for our company is that we'd be successful – and probably make more money going directly to our customers who are already our customers and pulling in all that money, not spending all the time and effort of creating a Kickstarter campaign and giving our 
percentages away to Amazon, to Kickstarter, to the people who develop our videos, to the people we hire to do the marketing, hit all the blogs for us and get the word out, to work with the magazines and all the advertising that I mean okay. literally. So so you and I have been in business both of us have been in business a long time. What you just described is all of the elements that goes into a product launch if we were running a, a company other than a board game company. No, because a board game company cannot be any different. No, no, no. No, you misunderstood what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that that process that you just described, right, that's identical. When you in your other business lines and in your past lives went to launch a product into the market, that's what you just d described, right? You went out and exactly. got the Exactly. And it has to be the same with, with a board game company. I see what you're saying. Yes, you're correct. So what's happened is, is that it appears, and this is my uh, theory here. So you're coming into this and you're looking at Kickstarter and you're seeing an opportunity to rep that you're not seeing this as a cost, but as an investment uh, that through this effort, and I guess you call it, it's kind of a, it's a business decision that you're making that looks like it has a short-term failure, but a long-term success. I wouldn't even say it's a short-term failure. It's a short-term success also. It's just a, a short-term cost. Okay. You're right. That's a better word to use. That's right. It is a cost, and, and it, it's very important. Now, this is another thing where I see a lot of people are looking just short-term. So they get in a lot of money. They put all their effort and all their concentration on developing the game and getting the game out quickly and then developing the next game. We spend literally more time we keep all of our Kickstarter orders in-house. We have it very um, integrated between our QuickBooks Premier, our Salesforce. Um, Intuit now has a new uh, program where they can integrate that with direct uh, taking the cell phone numbers uh, that we also mine in our, in our surveys. Uh, in our survey, and I guess I should get a little more detail here, we put more effort after the campaign's over than we do before. We spend more time and effort with the information we collect by putting every little detail we can into our QuickBooks, into our Salesforce, into our Demand Force programs so that we can track exactly the demographic, um, their telephone, their cell phones. We get their OKs. In our surveys that we put out at the end of our Kickstarter, we put a bunch of little questions in there that have nothing to do with what product they want so that they're answering all these questions that we then mine and use for our, for our benefit and their benefit in the future. Because now we can go in and we can do direct emails only to the people, let's say, who ordered one certain type of game. That's the software, and that's maybe a different program of all the different softwares that we've integrated together to make that the data that we have effective directly to the client target that we're uh, targeting. But we spent literally weeks entering this data, and unfortunately, it's still by hand because Kickstarter doesn't give an easy export outlet. I wish they would just allow you to take uh, uh, all the data that you get out of Kickstarter and export it into CSV files so we could easily import it into our software. I don't think that's an option. If any of your readers know how to do that, please let me know. Okay. It would save me a lot of money and time and effort. But we take this information, and this information is then the, the cornerstone 
for all of our future marketing and decisions where we're going into. Uh, we're going heavy into the homeschool market. And this is a decision we made two years ago where we're sitting there going, listen, we are, we are right now in the very technical market. We need two more games in our Conflict of Heroes line. And once these other next two games are released, we're then heading and we're doing heavy, heavy advertisement through military magazines and subscriptions and, and things like that. But in the meantime, while we're developing this market, let's go after the family market and the junior high and high school markets, thus our Birth of America series, concentrate on that and start doing the marketing into these homeschool channels through their specific magazines. Okay. So, and, so let's talk about that. Let's pick that one, homeschooling, because people who are listening are saying, how in the world would you reach out and find homeschooling? Now, I know that you live in a state that is one of the leading homeschooling states in the nation. You're in Ohio. Yes, sir. And it's a big homeschooling state. So does that give you an advantage going into that market because that's where you're located? How are you approaching that market so that a listener can take a lesson that you're, you're applying here and maybe apply it to another market segment that they want to penetrate? Well, number one is you have to see how big the market is, how affluent it is, and how important our games or could games be for them. For the homeschool market, why I'm targeting those you have a bunch of parents sitting at home with their kids, trying to entertain their kids and educate their kids. And they're looking for anything that will make their job easy and also include their kids and, 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 and make their kids excited about what they're doing. Because not only do they homeschool in their own home, but then once or twice a week, they get together with other families and they do group teaching and lessons. So, for games, I think it's an incredible market opportunity for many people, but it's a lot of money, time and effort to penetrate these markets. It's not easy, and I've been working for years now trying to penetrate the market. I'm not going to go into details because I have to knock on wood. I never go into details before all the T's are crossed and I've, sure. got, I've made my few millions on it, and I can look back and go, ah. That worked um, because right now we are we're just getting over that 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 chasm. Sure, and it's years. And so, a lesson to be learned here as I'm listening to you discuss, and, and as our listeners are listening, and that is, I think it's starting to sink in that you're having success on Kickstarter, you're having success with your projects, but that so much of the effort and money that you're making, yes, it goes into great product games, but also that you're turning around and reinvesting that into the tools to make you just that much more effective, that long-term investment that you're making. That's very true. I mean, why are we doing all this data on this mining? I sent out yesterday uh, a mass email. It was just under 10,000. We try to keep the emails under 10,000 because it makes MailChimp easier for us. But we have very targeted, up-to-date emails and every time we send out an email, it's usually 10,000, right around the 10,000 line, and we keep them segmented. So the homeschool will not get this 10,000 mass email. I've got one, another one that will be specific towards a homeschool market that we're then going to run through, like the magazine, old school mag, uh, homeschool magazine. Um, there are other advertisement sure. outlets for that that we use those emails for. So. We use emails. We use direct texting to cell phones. So let, uh, let's let's come back. Then a quick question, because my listeners, many of them are going, 
Did he just say 10,000? You said, yeah. right? Uh, 10, and that was actually, that was a segment. You, you keep it under 10,000 to avoid cost, but also to segment your market. How long has it take, taken you to build up that list of 10,000 names? And where did you get those names from? Well, we have, we have more than that. I mean, we have an active, up-to-date list of a little over 16,000 emails. But wh- how do you get 16,000 email addresses, active 16,000 email addresses in, in the board game industry? We... Um, you go on our Facebook page. We had links, which we just pulled down because we're working now with with um, with QuickBooks. Again, they have a new type of, of program coming out that integrates with the QuickBooks, with our sales force and everything, where it was a link where you could click on if you wanted additional information, you wanted to get specials from us, you want to get our latest catalogs. You have to click on that. You fill out that information. And that goes in our database and only we keep it. And if they check mark that they want to get a free advertisements or, or brochures or things like that, it's check mark and then it goes into that list. If you go on our website, we give a lot of free firefights, free information, free expansions to games. But to access that free stuff, you have to give us our data information, say, hey, I'm okay that you have that. And yes, I would like to get future information and knowledge of when you're putting free stuff out. So we do everything we can to mine good active emails, and we keep up on our emails. We we instantly, if we have not heard from a customer in six months, they get an email from us. If their email bounces, we call them and say, hey, how you doing? We haven't talked to you in a while. Uh, do you mind if we email you our, our newest a sales sheet. We have this great new game coming out. Boom. Okay. Because you, you can hire very good phone people to get that information because every single customer, every email is worth money. And that's got to take an incredible – that's what I was going to say. That's got to take an incredible amount of time. Do you outsource that or is that done with uh, <laughs> part of your staff? How do you do that? We, we do that. I outsource it. I By outsourcing, these are – people that I knew from my previous businesses who were very good on the phone. And I say, here, here are lists. We email them to them. They're familiar with our games. We train them. We tell them what to say. And then these are the lists. And that's not that many. It's maybe, maybe a hundred people they have to call a week and they get them. We pay them 10 bucks an hour because we live in middle of nowhere and 10 bucks. Our average salary here is seven fifty in, in the state of, uh, in the Sandusky County. So we give them good money. Um, they love talking with customers. They can do it when they want because usually the evenings are better and they have a good time doing it. We, we succeed, they succeed and our customers succeed through it. And this it, it, it's, it's old school. It is. It's school. way old school. It is so old school. Um, and I laugh because people say times have changed. We're all about Twitter and all that and Facebook. Yeah, we're all over Twitter and Facebook, but you know what? Old school is still old school. It's old school because they're still around. Like people went to old school. They're in college now, and they're teaching the courses, and they're running the country, and they're not stupid. And it's, it's it, wor- it it's, worked then, and it works now. That uh, high touch yeah. uh, certainly is working. Uva, guess what? We out of time again. <laughs> We're out of time. This has been awesome um, because 
even though people might not be able to do it at the scale you're doing, hopefully it's got them to think differently, our listeners to think differently and maybe think, oh, wow, if I started just collecting those names, if I started reaching out to them, how would people respond? And it doesn't have to just be all automated and you don't have to spend a whole lot of money. Uh, well, just Rich, don't, don't think that it's – I mean it's just myself and another employee. We're only two people in the company. Now, I have directly where we're working with another 10 people that are working with us in the business, but these are all outsourced. They're not directly off our payroll. These are people that I hire in, and they work for me on a percentage basis or they work for me by the job. Right. So you don't have to think that you have to be a huge company. You can just be a one or two person like, like our company, but you have to be organized you have to have everything down. You can never just say, oh, do this for me and let them guess what you want them to do. You have to be very specific. This is what I expect. This is how you will get paid for it. This is how you're accountable for what you're doing. And you can make tons of money if you make me tons of money. And again, it's old school, but it old, works. Old school. Great advice. I certainly appreciate you taking a few minutes to uh... – to talk about it again. Hey, thanks a lot, Richard. And um, we'll have to do this again. So be very, very careful and, and, and a safe and happy and healthy 2014. To you too. I want to say uh, thank you for that. Was our our, our bell? We're we're out of time. My guest has been Uva Eichert, who uh, is the founder of Academy Games. AcademyGames.com is where you can go and find information, or you can go to uh, Kickstarter, where his Thief France 1429 is currently experiencing tremendous success. Uh, Uva uh, has always got great information. We will have to have him back. Um, but I know that you've heard something inspiring. I know I have uh, some great ideas to go out there and try some things for your next uh, Kickstarter project or just for your business in general. I want to say thanks for listening. We look forward to seeing your Kickstarter project so we can help you fund your dream. Take care.